I'm Carlo, Carlo Pietro Sanfilippo, and this is my podcast. With this project, I want to explore the means, methods, tools, and examples of living on purpose, living the life we want, doing the things that light us up, things that make us feel like we're alive, growing, making a difference, and enjoying the process along the way. Welcome to It's the Journey. Okay, so today we're going to speak with my friend Becca Canapel, who is one of the co-founders of Pound Jewelry. And so Pound Jewelry, they make uh, this really, really beautiful uh, women's jewelry that is mostly you know, crystals that are you know, necklaces and pendants and bracelets, and you can find them at poundjewelry.com. But uh, to give you kind of a sense of who they are, I wanted to, to read a bit, uh, just a short little piece from, uh, from her website. They'll tell you a lot and kind of give you an idea where we're going. Um, so on, uh, on the, the description of Pound, it says, um, forming our business has been as organic, magical, and arduous as pushing a crystal through the Earth's crust, we imagine. Pound has its own living, breathing essence that requires tending, light, and air. It needs space and time to develop. Every day, it keeps our hearts expanding and pushes us to share the gifts within each of us. Throughout the process of revealing Pound to the world, we've uncovered pieces of ourselves we didn't see before. All three of us have dived deep into our shadows in order to come back up to the surface with newfound treasures. The rights of many initiations have not avoided us, and we are a lot stronger and wiser for these intense periods of struggle. Whew. Yeah, I read that, and I was like, that, that, that really sums up who they are, what they do. And they is, is Becca and her mom, Linda, and her sister, Mia. So you can find, them, you can find out all about that story on, on uh, poundjewelry.com. So with that, let's, let's go meet Becca. Becca. Yes. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, today, so I'll I'll do I'll do a formal introduction on the on the, like as an intro. Yeah. And then so we're doing this. Um, so, Becca, you are currently one of the co-owners and founders of Pound Jewelry. Correct. And we've known each other. Good golly. Since two thousand six. 2006? Maybe. Yeah. Whenever, yeah. That's when I was teaching at the studio. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah, that's, so 14 years. Yeah, because like my, uh, my son was, my younger, my 17-year-old was a babyish, you know, yeah. young guy. So, so 2006, 14 years? Yeah. How's that possible? I don't know, but you haven't aged very much. Same to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I wanted to, so the whole concept of the, podcast is about it's the journey and you're a person that's been on a really cool journey yourself yes and and it's not just you like you and your family your mom and your sister you guys do fun cool things mm -hmm. and that's one of the things I talk about in my book is like it took me it took me a lot of pain to like figure out how to trust myself in order to make decisions that I wanted to do yeah and and then I as I start looking around I notice other people that are already doing it so that makes me curious like where that comes from for you. And obviously you and your family are doing it together. So I want to dive into that. Yeah. Like, so we talk about what Pound is and all the fun stuff with that. And then your some kind of your 
your thought processes and where you think your um, courage comes from and, and some of the fun decisions you've made. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, Pound Jewelry came about, it was sort of a, my mom had always made jewelry for us growing up. So I grew up around, we grew up around very sparkly, bright colored things because my mom is a very bright, colorful human being. Um, she's had her nails painted like turquoise blue since the beginning of time. Um, and everything was always sequined, glittered, um, rhinestoned, our shoes, our t-shirts, our nails, our hair bows. Everything was glittery, fun, and colorful because that's who she is. And so um, she always would make jewelry for us growing up, but never, you know, never had any intention of selling it. Pound came about really during a time of struggle for myself when I was living in New York City. I'd been an occupational therapist for a few years and I was working in the hospital and I was working on an oncology unit and I was having some depression and I was having some physical um, health issues that came about and I was about 30 at the time. So that was 10 years ago. Um, During that time, I came to visit my mom and sister and dad and brother in St. Louis, found an old necklace my mom had made. And then I, I just had this, it was not to plagiarize Marie Kondo, but it sparked joy. And I saw the necklace. I said, we're starting a jewelry business. Like, it's time. I needed something. It wasn't even a conscious, like planned out goal set decision. It was a need. Uh-huh. It was just sort of uh, something I needed to, when I saw that necklace, it reminded me of magic. It made me feel, feel bright and light and happy and excited. And I needed that feeling at that time. So it was almost like a survival mechanism or a survival decision where I was like, we're doing this and I don't really care what you say. <laughs> <laughs> and so she kind of went along with it. I started just bringing pieces back to New York and wearing them. And then I just started selling them. And um, what really at that time gave me the courage to, I didn't believe, I definitely didn't believe that I could do it. I didn't believe that we could do it. We had, we have never, we had never started a business we don't know anything still to this day about <laughs> entrepreneurship so much. I mean, we're learning. We've learned a lot. But um, there were no, this was not a well thought out, you know, structured. No big business plan. There and- was no business plan <laughs> for many years. Um, it was just for fun, really. And I, there was no, there was no real like, attachment at the time or even strong, deep, built-in belief that we could make anything of ourselves. It was just, let's try this. Yeah. Again, out of like necessity. And then I was in this class at the time in New York called Mama Gina School of Womanly Arts. And it's basically like hundreds of women and in that course, I was inundated with and surrounded by a bunch of women, very powerful women in their stories. And I was hearing their stories and what they created and what they and how they believed in one another. And a lot of the um, 
undertone of this class was lifting each other up and really negating or really dissipating the idea of competition and comparison and really coming together and like lifting other women up. Mm -hmm. And so through that group in that class, I was wearing the jewelry. You know, I've got hundreds of women around me saying, that's beautiful. I want one. That's beautiful. I want one. And in that, it's like, oh, wait, I can do this. We can do this. We can do this. And that's kind of where, so it was a, it was really based on other women. My mom had zero confidence that she could sell anything. I told her that she could. I had zero confidence that I could sell anything. These other women said that I could. And through that, we were just like, you know, I was getting support. I was giving support. Uh-huh. And that's how it started. That's so cool. Yeah. Because um, one, one of the things that I recognized on my journey, I talked, I talk a little bit about like my tribe. Mm-hmm. And like, as I changed, I I grew, like a, a different tribe kind of like was, appeared in my life or however it was through improv and all the different things I'm doing. And then people that were creating and people that were doing things that when I said something out loud that I was thinking about, they were like, I can't do that. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool hearing that, um, that, yeah, where all that came from, from you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was definitely through like the support of other women um, and and their belief in us. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's a combination of, yeah, you you know, I didn't have a business plan and we didn't know how to be entrepreneurs, but you had something that you were super passionate about. Yeah. That obviously was like a something your mom feels pulled and driven to do. Absolutely. Um, and then you just acted on that. Yeah, we acted on that impulse and that um, desire. And all of us, my sister and my mom, my sister and my mom in particular, um, out of the three of us, they're very, very creative. They're very artistic. They can create anything out of anything. But um, all of us had this, I would say I had the most passion and desire to make it happen. And they had the creativity and the skills. And so we kind of came together to make it happen but they they've always had that you know ability to create magic and I've always had that desire to be around it Mm -hmm. yeah and that's really cool I didn't I didn't know how you all work together um because not every not every business partnership because ultimately what it is even though you're family members that that, not everyone that they don't those don't always work no quite often they don't and then especially if it's family sometimes yeah or friends yeah and there's been major ups and down ups and downs. It's been ten years, and there were times. I mean, yeah, it's major ups and downs where it's like there have been times when I was working full time doing occupational therapy, and I had to, you know, push a lot of extra roles onto my mom, or time when my mom was taking care of my grandmother who was very ill, and she would push more onto me. There have been times when. Um, Mia was just like, y'all cray, I'm out. Um, and then, you know, she were like, no, we need you. Um, you know, Mia, Mia is very, at the beginning especially, was very much the photographer. She was very much anything, any creative idea I had, I would run it by her and she'd be like, that's stupid. That's cool. Um, that would be interesting. And my mom would just make stuff, you know. And then now the roles have changed, they change and they've evolved a lot. Now it's very much, um, I'm like 
bossy pants and telling everyone <laughs> what to do. And and the design comes with from all of us. My mom hand makes everything. I do all the social media and marketing and website stuff. Um, but my sister plays like a huge role in anything new with packaging, anything new with a logo, anything new with um, if we want to create a t-shirt or a screen print or all of that. And then she also, anything I can't handle, I like, you know, she's there for some overflow to help. That's <clears throat> so cool. So you figure out your rules. And then now most of what you make, is it almost all crystals or mostly crystals? Yeah. So it started out, we started out making really big statement pieces. A lot of the stones we were using weren't, very high quality crystals and stones, but the pieces took forever to make. They took hours to make because every it was very intricate designs um, with lots and lots of stones on one piece. And the pound pendulum became our biggest seller and that came about because my mom had this pound fist or fist clasp and my and a pendulum, which she didn't even know what it was at the time, but it was a crystal, put them together and then everyone wanted one. And then... Um, so then we started, I started, people started coming to us saying, oh my God, I've had, I feel so empowered when I wear this necklace. Oh my God, I had this amazing story. Um, this amazing, amazing occurrence happened when I was wearing it. I, you know, I attracted this new person that I met at a coffee shop because they were so drawn to my necklace. All these stories were coming at us and they were like, what is in these? They're so powerful. Then I started researching more about the healing benefits of crystals and stones. And from there, we really evolved the business to focus more on higher quality, um, less quantity, higher quality stones that we were handpicking from gem shows. And and yeah, I started really tapping into the just the ritual and the ceremony and the... Um, the special uniqueness that each one that each crystal has. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're so they're so beautiful. I think everybody as a kid I was always attracted to rocks and then crystals yeah. and they're just they're just something magical about the way they look. Yeah, they are magical. Yeah, and then to have I could see where people would want that and then that little fist, I love that. I'd yeah, the fist came about and it was totally an accident. And then we were like, well, it makes perfect sense because our name is Pound. And so we had named our, we had named Pound for multiple reasons. We named it Pound and it just, our jewelry had weight and it was big and it was hefty and it was, you know, and we just liked the name. And then um, the fist came about and then it was like the Pound Fist. Yeah. And all of it just kept interlocking to make sense. And, and now it's just the name. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and so that's cool. So now I have a better understanding of how the company works and how you all work together. And then I, as I was thinking about this today, I was just thinking, yeah, when we met in 2006, you were you were teaching yoga. Teaching and then yoga. at some point in there, you're like, I'm going to grad, grad school. school. And you went to New York for that. Yep. And then you disappeared for a while and then yep. became an occupational therapist. Yep. Uh, and then with social media, like you always kind of know what people are doing. And yeah. I've never met your sister, but I've seen her photography work and you, you see, I see you all together doing your fun stuff. Yep. Um, and I wanted to talk. So one of the other things you do, which is so cool, is um, your passion for doing things to help like elephants. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm obsessed with elephants. I've it, been obsessed with them for a long time. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no. 
Well, elephants, I don't even know when I became obsessed with them. I mean, we're all pretty obsessed with animals, my whole family, but my love for elephants started probably, I don't know, 15 years ago. And then I went to Thailand. The reason that I've done a lot of things in my life is because of one of my best friends who I met in college. Her name is Rochelle and Rochelle Sheik. And she, um, she was sort of just a, I don't know what the word is. What's a, a, she paves roads and then I walk down them. (laughs) And so like she'll open gates and I'll be like, that looks scary. And then she'll do it. And then I'll be like, okay, she survived. I'll go. (laughs) So she's done a lot. She would do like, lots of crazy classes, even this Mama Gina School of the Arts. I never would have done that, but she did it. And then I was like, okay, looks okay. Water is warm. I can go. And so she invited me. She was doing a trip around the world. And for a year, she traveled around the world. And she, one of her stops was Thailand. And I went and met her in Thailand. I think that was in 2000, maybe 10. I don't know, somewhere around there. Honestly, I don't remember the exact year. Um, but I went and, and, yeah, I think it was around there. And I went and I went to an elephant rescue park. And that was when I really became obsessed with elephants because I saw um, this rescue park where this woman was running this place where elephants in Thailand, the tourist industry, they... Um, they ride on their backs with these wooden like benches that they put on the spine of the elephant and it actually breaks their back. And so I learned about that. And this was the place where the ones that were either injured or too old or too young or couldn't work anymore, um, this is where a lot of them ended up. And so I just had the most incredible experience with them. I find them, they're so intelligent. They have like the largest memory centers, they mourn their dead. They're so like, I mean, just looking at them is just, you know, takes you to another universe. And so became obsessed with them. And then after that point, yeah, we used a couple of projects. Um, My mom and I traveled to, through Rochelle, introducing me to this woman named Betsy um, who did a lot of, does a lot of work in Africa. We went to this, um, wildlife refuge center called Amiri. And then we started making bracelets to donate, to give to, um, a percentage of the proceeds go to helping the elephants that are rescued there. So we've done, been able to use the company to do things like that for causes that we believe in and, to help animals or people that, um, yeah, we feel called to. So I think I love that because so many times people are like, well, I will give back after after I reach a certain level of success or whatever it is. And it's always later. And um, when I first saw you doing that, I'm like, I knew your business at that point was still pretty new. Yeah. And I was like, that's so cool. Because I knew you were passionate about animals and then I uh, then. Again, through social media, like, oh, also elephants. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just feel like that's a good point. I mean, I think the reason that we wanted to do this business was because it, you know, felt like it lit us up from the inside, but it was also to do things that we felt passionate about that we could give. Like, we wanted to 
you know, use it as like a portal to do the other things in our lives that we wanted to do that we wouldn't necessarily be able to. Yeah. So thanks for noticing. Yeah. No, I, I, I really thought, I was really uh, proud of you for that. I was just like, that's so cool that you're, you're doing that like now as, as you're building your business. And yeah. then, uh, and then you went over there again as part of that, right? Yeah. You went, it was this time, it was in Africa the second time? Yep. Yeah. So we actually went, we started the bracelets and a hematite pendulum. We donated a percentage to Amiri. Um, and, which is a conservation um, for, it's not just for elephants, but it's elephants and rhinos. It's mainly a rhino park, but they have a lot of elephants too. And then m one of my mom's dreams was to go there and see it. I also did too, but she like had never been to Africa. And so we made the journey and we went and we got to meet the people who take care of the elephants and who run the whole, the whole, the whole situation. And a lot of it, the people who own this, um, who started Amiri, they do so many things in the community, like for the orphanages. And um, there's like a birthing center that was created also through funds from our friend Betsy. Um, so many things. They do so many things for the community there um, to keep it, you know, going and to help people and, and the animals. And so we went... And it was like the most incredible experience. I imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, and again, I think that's, I think um, it just makes me happy thinking about you getting to do that with your mom. Mm -hmm. You know, so many people don't ever have those kind of experiences. Yeah. And then to share, to share something, not only the, the journey of like building the business, but then you, then launching that into like the other side of the world and helping elephants and animals and people and, um, and that you mentioned your friend that is lighting the way for you. Yeah. Um, imagine I, 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 I've, I've been excited about watching what you're doing. So it's just fun. You, you're, I'm sure lighting the way for other people in ways you can't I even maybe so. know. Yeah. We were talking, my mom and I were talking about that the other day. She was like, cause so many of the things that we end up getting involved in are due to a connection that we made through Rochelle. So we met Betsy who does so much work for this organization and conservation in Africa through Rochelle. We met, um, we just did um, a collaboration with these two sisters who are um, from Taos Pueblo, who we met through Rochelle. Um, and so Rochelle's a connector. And so my mom and I were just talking about, she was like, because we met Rochelle, we met Betsy. And because we met Betsy, we then met these people in Africa. And so we're able to give to them because of the connection here. And then same thing with these girls. Just today I was talking to the sisters Kona and Aspen in Taos and, and they were like, thank you so much because we donated 15% of November sales to them for their work in Taos Pueblo. And so they were like, thank you so much. But then again, my mom and I were like, oh, because of Rochelle, we met these girls and now we're able to give to them. And so... She really has been this like, and she does this for most of, most of our um, tribe, as you call them, good girlfriends in that circle, just like, oh, connects you to this person, to this person. But then through those connections, you're able to help others and then they can then go and help others. And then they, and I mean, we do that, you know, 
without Rochelle too, but a lot of them have been through Rochelle, and so it's pretty cool. She's the common denominator. Keep coming back to. It, yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's fun. It's fun <clears throat> doing that exercise, like you'd say your mom did. Where I'll think, well, how do I know this person? And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. because this and this and, this. and it's like some decision you made when you were in fourth grade that made you to be friends with this person and on and on and on. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And that's. Uh, Again, I think about one of the other things I talk about is, you know, when you say yes to something, you know, like, you know, that for, you know, you've taken, you took improv classes in Chicago? I did. Okay. God, I need to, t- I want to take them again. I mean, are you doing them right now? No, you, you can't. It's, it, there's some stuff happening online, but yeah. um, we haven't really been doing a whole lot with my, my, my team. I loved improv. Okay. Yes. But you're going to say yes and? Yeah. So like the, when you say yes to something, then it opens up a door and nothing or nothing. And so whenever, when, when, when we say yes to trying something, even, even a lot of people may have be friends with Rochelle and never say yes to any of those things. Like yeah. they have the same exposure, but it took you saying like, <laughs> at least you're like, okay, the water's warm. I'll yeah. jump in. Okay. Yeah. But some people are like, nah, I, I don't know anyone else that's done that. Or I might try that and fail. Or so you've got, from wherever, whatever that is from your childhood or your family and the support structure of your tribe and your mom and your sister, the courage to, to jump in after whatever has to happen for you to feel comfortable. Yeah. And I was thinking about that today coming here because a lot of people are like, what is this podcast you're doing? Is it live? Can I listen to it? What's it called? I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, <laughs> I'm like, I just said yes. And they're like, well, what about this? So many questions. Well, where have, you know, what is this radio place and what is this and I, I don't know I just said yes we'll see and that was another thing I don't always say yes but I I try when you know I try to um for new experiences and that was another thing when I was in grad school as uh, for occupational therapy one of the teachers said she was like when you're new and starting out as an OT just say yes to everything you know even if it doesn't, you don't know what it's going to be like, or it it sounds really scary, just say yes to everything. Like that's how you can experience it. So if I have the time and space, I try to say yes. If it's, you know, if it sounds horrible, I'm not going to do it. But, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, oh, grateful you did say yes without knowing. Yeah, I knew nothing. And so many people asking me some questions like, I don't know, I just said yes. Mm. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Exactly. Yeah. Not everybody's been as brave, but yeah. Yeah, so it's funny. But yeah, saying yes is usually if it feels right and you say yes to it, it something comes out of it that you know, you're glad you did it for. Exactly. Well, and just like when you said yes to starting the business, you know, saying yes to this, there's, I, I, I had to get past some things in my own head of how I wanted to do it and what I wanted, what I wanted it to sound like or be like. And after, at some point I just had to just jump in. Yeah. And I know if I, if I'm doing this a year from now or two years from now, I'll, I'll have learned a whole lot and be like, oh my goodness, I sounded, I sounded like an idiot, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to try and you have to start and then you, you learn. You have to try and you have to start. Yeah. Um, so something else I want to explore is like this thread from from yoga to occupational therapy to it's not an obvious connection with Pound until you talked about this desire to serve and help. Mm-hmm. Is that what you kind of see the the thread the is? Thread. is, or is it something different? Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, with yoga teaching again, Rochelle Sheik, uh, <laughs> I was in. We were in 
undergrad together and we were dance majors. After school, I didn't really know what to do. I We studied, we both studied the same thing, dance, psychology, and art. And I didn't really know what I was going to do with that degree. She went to yoga training. I actually brought her to her first Bikram yoga class in Tucson. Then she went to train, to yoga training. She's like, you got to do it. And I was like, that looks awful, but okay. <laughs> and so I did it. And um, it looks awful. That yeah. looks awful, but I'll do it. I mean, two classes a day, 90 minutes, 110 degrees, right. 200 people in the room, absolutely disgusting. <laughs> um, nine weeks of that it was hell. Wet, squishy carpet. Yeah, gross carpet with hair on it and the whole thing. And so, but, you know, I did it. And then I got the groove of that. I really liked helping people. I ended up in New York City teaching full-time. I realized teaching full-time was not sustainable financially or energetically, uh, being in a hot room that much and all of it. So then I ran into a friend from undergrad um, named Jody, and she was in occupational therapy school in New York, and she told me what—I didn't even know what it was. She told me what it was, said, that sounds good. I want to help people, so I'll do that. And then went through the whole prerequisite game and went to grad school. Uh, really loved my job. I was working at New York Presbyterian um, while Cornell in Upper East Side, New York, really, really loved my job. And then, but then I did hit a point where I was like, is this it? Like, is this what I'm going to do the rest of my life? Like, I'm going to work in a hospital, you know, eight to five. And I just started to feel like, oh shit. Um, I don't know if this is what I want to do the rest of my life. Um, but I want to help people, but you know, a lot of things were changing in healthcare. Productivity was really important. We were having to see more, more patients. Um, I just didn't, I just didn't feel totally fulfilled. Then the spark came in with the jewelry. It was an idea. And I was like, oh, I can do this. Went back and forth. No, I can't do this. Yes, I can do this. No, I can't do this. And we started to build and I went into it more because it was serving, uh, a void in me that d didn't feel it was being filled, like magic and light and bright and fun and play and fashion and cool factor. And then I learned it was helping people. And I was like, well, thank God. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it was helping people a lot, like beauty and the belief in magic and sacred objects and talismans or... They're, they've been important forever and ever, and we maybe forgot. And I think for a period of time, I know I forgot, and I was just buying crap and like jewelry at Banana Republic that was made of plastic, and it would last for like, you know, a month or you'd wear it for that one thing. But f having that like sacred treasure, like from that child childhood from those childhood days when you had that special rock or you had that special um even pouch with your marbles or whatever like bringing that back into my life was really healing and i and it was healing and helping other people and 
and I was saying this to, I just started doing occupational therapy again because I took a hiatus and I'm doing home care part-time. But I was like in the last couple of weeks, like looking at it and seeing the amount of emails and Instagram messages and text messages and posts of other people's through all social media and how much people were like, this piece, this pound jewelry piece helped me through this. This serves as my talisman talisman for this um, period of my life. It helped me through a breakup. It helped my grandmother through her cancer. You know, and so I'm like looking at, you know, how much I'm hearing and actually feeling energetically that it's helping people. Um, and it's amazing because set out, you know, wanting to make beautiful things and then really being reminded of how much beauty heals. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, especially when so much of what, <clears throat> so much of what we buy, t- buy today is, is disposable and cheap and you don't think of, you don't care about it and, and, oh, well, I'm going to, I was so cheap. It doesn't matter to buy it or give it away or throw it away. But when you buy something that was handmade yeah. and it means something to you, you it's a treasure. Yeah. Um, that, that, that we need, it, it just brings more meaning in life, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know why, but while you were thinking about that, I thought about, again, about the hand. Yeah. And I was thinking of the word, the word manufactured. Do you know where that comes from? No. It's like, this comes from two Latin words, manu fattore or something like that, which mm-hmm. means, literally means hand make, to make oh. by hand. Like even in Italy now, mano, mano fatto or fatto mano means handmade. And it's, Mm-hmm. And literally, it's got the word hand and to make right in there. Ooh. So it might cool. fun way to play with that. with Because like literally, like that's yeah. the imagery. I love that. Yeah. Um, I love this. Uh, so now, studied dance, art, and psychology. Well, it was art history because I couldn't draw but um, or paint or anything. But... It was basically an interdisciplinary major. So the goal at the time was to do some sort of movement art therapy. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I took those three and combined them because I was a dance major for two years. And then was like, I'm not going to be a professional dancer. And so then I was like, now what do I do? And so then the combination of those. That's so cool. Um, art therapy is like something I... I never did it formally, but I like stumbled into it. Mm-hmm. You know, as as um, after uh, after my parents died and I was d- divorced and I moved into my own place. I think you remember that I was making my furniture for a while. Yes. So that was like something I knew how to work on houses from like rehab in the houses we lived in. Right. And I had tools, but I had never made anything mm. that I just wanted to make. Yeah. And um, I just I started doing it. And I and it was I was very solitary, but I was alone, and I could build and create, and it felt so. That's what that was. That's like the first chapter of my book. I talk about like that was when I learned to that and some other things like learned to trust myself because yeah. like I could build this thing, and I realized the table's done when I like it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, there's not a set of like instructions I'm following. There's no picture of what it's supposed to look like. Yep. Or I'm at a bed. I'm like these things are done when I like them, mm-hmm. and that gave me like such a sense of happiness and courage and 
and the, and then the 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 that was the kind of the beginning of the stepping stone of of a lot of other things that I did. But like, and and my the guy that I was buying materials materials from joked around. He's like, "I'm your art therapist," because literally mm. he he had this uh, warehouse at the Limp Brewery. Yep. Have you been there? A long time ago. Okay, it's yeah. just full of like, I called it my room of requirement. It's this huge warehouse full of old doors and windows so and cool. lumber and screws and metal. I think, and, I, I think I have been there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I have. It would be a cool place if you guys were looking for fun things to make displays for. Yeah. You could find really, really cool stuff there. Okay, cool. Um, you have to go on a weekend, though. It's only open on. And, yeah. And during COVID? Uh, if, you, if you went during COVID, yeah. If you call him, I, I can connect you with Regan. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Um, but... After I kept going there, and he's like, he knew uh, he knew sort of what I was going through, and then he kept helping me, and he'd be like, well, what are you going to do? And then he would like show me, like if I were going to build it, I'd build it this way, and he'd draw out a little design for me, and then he's like, yeah, I'm your art therapist now. Yeah, and I, basically. I, I had never heard of that term before, but it it was a huge, huge piece of like my growth and healing. Yeah. Um, so it's cool. That's where you started. Yeah. Uh, Doing, yeah, I mean, I knew I... I was always obsessed or not obsessed, but I was always really into like understanding the human body and like movement and kinesiology and stuff like that. But, um, and so, and then, yeah, always wanting to like help either whether it was animals or humans, but um, those things like what you're saying with the building and it being done when you like it, not, it's so healing that I think that's what I was drawn to of it because I very much get stuck in my head. And when you're doing something like movement and when you're doing art and when you're when you're completely embodying an activity versus thinking about what you want it to look like or it won't be perfect or it can't be done this way because I've never seen it that way. Um, that's when I think we're like really in our flow and connected to like we are and it is very healing just mm -hmm. by the very act of doing it. Yeah. Well, and I previously didn't have a tribe that was supporting that. Yeah. So I had to find it in me first. And then when I found it in me, then then I attracted people into my life that then and then that's supported that through improv and then all my Italian stuff and whatever. So Yeah. Um absolutely. It's curious. Um so that's so cool. You've done so many different things now. I mean, you just got your Italian passport too. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's like you're yeah. just like following your instinct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it. All of it was just the this yes and. Okay, well maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll because like it went from furniture to improv and then then travel Italy. in Italy and then well maybe I'll become an Italian and then learn Italian <laughs> and. And well, maybe maybe I'll write a book, and the book was all part of that. It's so cool. Um, and sometimes people, if sometimes people, uh, I don't know if you've experienced this. Sometimes I'm careful with who I talk to about things before I'm really certain on them, because some people have got your back, and they're like, "Yeah, do that. You should totally do that," or that would be cool, or or they'll ask good questions, like <laughs> maybe they're protective questions, like. What's this all about? Is this going to be live, you know, a live show and whatever? Um, but sometimes if someone, do, if you're doing something outside of someone else's comfort zone, I've, I've felt like a judgment or fear or things like that. I don't yeah. know if that's something you've 
experienced or oh definitely yeah definitely um and it's hard when the person who is like the naysayer is a close in your a close person in your life um much harder because it's harder to get away from talking about the things that you're doing Mm -hmm. there are definitely I definitely know, especially like my grandma passed away a year and a half ago, but before she passed away, like I did not talk about experimental things with her because she was just going to be like, well, that's ridiculous. Like that'll never happen. You know, dream on. Um, We used to just be happy with, you know, why do you need to go anywhere? St. Louis has everything you need. No need to ever leave. Um, But... So there are people like that who aren't my grandma, who I just don't, I don't go there with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are people that have been close to me in my life who've been like, well, that's not a good idea. I mean, even even at the beginning of starting Pound, it was like when when all these people were coming to us and saying, oh my God, this piece was so healing. This piece is so empowering to me. And I started asking questions like, hmm, is there something like about these crystals and stones that is healing? And I remember there were a few people who were like, don't, don't go that woo-woo route. Like, do not um start talking too much woo-woo. Like, keep it cool, keep it fashion, keep it, you gotta have your spring collection, you gotta have your fall collection, the end, do what they do, do what's already been done. And but like look at look at the world now. Like Everyone is talking woo-woo. Yeah. Like, everyone is talking crystals. Like, everyone is talking, you know, and so it's just interesting. And I was like, oh, okay, like, I'm going to stay safe and stay cool and stay doing what everyone else is doing. Otherwise, we won't be accepted. But, like, we didn't really have the option because Pound was going to go the direction it wanted to go. And either we were going to go with it or it was going to be, you can't force something to be what you have constructed in your mind that it doesn't want to be. Yeah. You can't force a child to act a certain way or a dog to kiss you on the face like <laughs> mine won't kiss me on the face if it doesn't want to kiss you on the face. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, so you just, at some point, I have, because I've experienced that, whenever anyone says something to me, like, I have this idea, even if I think it's absurd, I'm like, cool, go for it. Because you never know. Yeah. And you don't know. I know <clears throat> when I say some when I'm when I'm in like the beginning idea phase of something. I don't know exactly. I don't sometimes always know exactly the end. Yeah, it, we but don't. I'm I'm trying, and so now I know. Like if I feel if I want to say yes to something, I either I either keep it tight or I've got a small group of people that I might mention it to. But sometimes I'm just like, I think I'm going to do this. Yeah, and then. Um, cause I had a, my mom was like your grandma where I never told her if I was, I didn't tell her if I was going to buy a new pair of socks until they were bought because she'd yeah. be like, no, why do you need Carlo? You have so many socks. Why would you, why would you waste money? Are your other ones, is there a hole in them? We could sew that. That's fine. You know, it's like, you know, or anything, you know? She, um, so, but if I told her after the fact, she'd be like, oh, well, Okay, <laughs> and then there's and then nothing they be, can do. Yeah, she'd be excited about it eventually, you know. So, I mean, she'd be very excited about. It. She should be really excited about your socks. She, she, you would think. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, but yeah, like if 
you know, like if your products are providing meaning for someone and and that's deeper than a surface materialistic fashion thing, let them have that. Let them have that. Yeah, I mean, who was I to be like, no, there is no healing in that necklace. That necklace did not make you feel good. It is simply for fashion. Yeah. And you know what I mean? <laughs> right. So yeah, that just wasn't the direction. And what was really fun was living into those stories. So yeah, I say go in that direction of fun. And it just it pulls together like who you and your sister and your mom are as people and the glitter and the magic and the, you guys were bedazzling before it was cool. Yeah, mom so was bedazzling everything, right. <laughs> everything we wore. So, and I had to go through a serious rebellious phase where I would only wear beige <laughs> and black. But then I came back. <laughs> That's hysterical. The, the the child rebelling against. Yeah, it was like no more sequins. Too splashy, mom. Yeah, I was like J. Crew khaki all the way, <laughs> which was her nightmare. But then I came back and I got my groove and decided color was good again. But yeah. but yeah, I just um, I think I think fun and magic and play is always the way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, I I bought something this year. I bought a a uh, it's a it's a Roman coin. Oh, cool! That's from, very very you now. Yeah, it, and I don't I don't I haven't worn jewelry since I was a kid. Yeah. I just never found anything that I was that was me or I wanted or whatever. And somewhere in the middle of the worst part of the beginning and part of the plague when everything was closed down and I had to cancel a trip we were supposed to go this I year. I remember. Yeah, the 100-year anniversary of my grandfather coming over here is oh in, what is today, the 11th? Nine days. Uh. And so we, my, we were going to go with you know my brother and his sister, my sister and all our family. Uh, and I was just frustrated. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I was feeling grateful that, you know, everyone's healthy and happy and alive, but still just sad that I couldn't, you know, yeah, like everybody is, right? Yep. Um, so I'm like, if I can't be in Rome, I'm gonna wear a piece of Rome. Yeah, I and, love that. And it wasn't, and it's like it has this feeling like this, not only a piece of Rome, but something you know from you know, 1900 years ago or something like that. That's uh, so cool. That I was so happy to find. And then there's a specific person on there that I was excited about. So I, I, under, I understand that. And I understand it yeah. now more because of that than I would have. If we were having this conversation before I bought this, I wouldn't have understood that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I love that you're, I love that you're able to do that for people and that you do it with your mom and your sister. Yep. And bring so much joy. Thank you. I love it too. Yeah. It's really, really awesome. I feel really lucky. And this during COVID, we we got really busy. Actually, um, I think it was in about May, and I think after like the initial shutdowns and everything, and I think more now than ever, it's been like people needing that sense of I don't know so, something, some sort of symbol. Um, of connection or some sort of symbol of magic or treasure, a treasure, that treasure-filled feeling inside that kind of like gives us hope, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah, I keep hearing that from all different specific industries where people are spending more money on things, you know, decorating their home or 
landscaping or some special piece of jewelry or yeah. um one of my one of my friends in Italy the fam- their family has a they make handmade couches which mm-hmm. I didn't know it happened anymore but yeah they, they like these really beautiful couches and after the after the lockdown was over then they were able to go back to work and they can hardly keep up with the orders because so many people are they're sitting at home all day long like going you know what let's buy a nice couch you know absolutely yeah it's the same kind of thing they're like you know what we can't we're we're, we're not driving anywhere we're not going out to eat let's and, exactly and, and I thought about that too like I've thought about things from during this time period that I want to carry into, that I want to keep up. Yeah. One of those is just not, not, is spending more consciously, you know, by not yes. going out and not, I do miss going out to eat. I do miss sitting and having a coffee, cup of coffee somewhere. But I was doing it so much that it was, it was expensive. And now I'm like, look at the money I'm saving by not doing those things that I can, you know, either use to save for other goals or, have things that are, you know, meaningful, you know, in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I've been definitely same, same, same. It's like, I find myself really wanting to have less things, but just better quality or less things, but the things that I have, like, lots of meaning. Less, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And um, really looking at where I spend my energy, my time, my money, and starting just to shed discard what no longer feels right. This has been like a really interesting incubation time where really at at least I feel like a lucky one who has had the privilege of being able to spend a lot of time going inward and like looking at my life and say, um, okay, like what doesn't need to come with me anymore? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's habits and sometimes it's spending and sometimes it's things. I've gotten rid of so much stuff. Yeah. Just things that I'm like, and, it, and without remorse where there have been times where I felt, oh, what if I need this, you know? Um, just being forced to use my kitchen, I realized I had I had just like certain things that I for, kept for some dumb reason and never used. And I finally like, I finally gave all those things away and I've never missed them. And now there's room in my cabinets. Yeah, and it's, it feels so good. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It's, why is that so hard sometimes? I but know. I was like, I kept looking. If someone stole this, would I miss it? And then I'm like, no. no. I wish. I wish they would. So I'm just Get throw it in a away. box. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so one thing I one thing I'm thinking about is like, you know, so what? What through all this have you found yourself um, grateful for? Through the COVID. Mm-hmm. Through COVID. Um, Gosh, so many things. COVID actually, I was living in LA and I was living in, um, so in March I was living in this little tiny 400 square foot cabin in the woods, basically not in the woods, but in Topanga Canyon in LA. And um, it was amazing experience, but I knew my time there was done. And I came here just for three days to visit. We were actually preparing for a Costa Rica retreat because of my friend, Rochelle Sheik. She has her <laughs> own um, movement, form of movement called Koya. And every year we go to Costa Rica and fifth, like many, many women, I think it's between 50 and 100 women go and it's a big movement retreat. And cool. We sell a lot of jewelry there. So we were preparing for that. And then I... 
I was here for three days and they shut everything in LA down. And I was like, I don't think I'm going back. And I knew my time in that space, in that canyon was done. But like, this was like the universe saying, yeah, it's done. And so I literally didn't go back. I mean, I went back to get my stuff and drive my car back across the country. Um, So I'm grateful that there was that external sign that I, that mirrored what I felt, which was that I need to be in St. Louis. And then I stayed and um, that's when Pound started getting really busy, which wouldn't have been possible and it wouldn't have been like able to be sustained had I not been here. So I'm grateful for that big time. Um, I'm grateful to be near my family during this time. I I got the apartment that I wanted was like the day I was like, I think I want to live in this exact apartment was like, I got that exact apartment. Nice. I've been wanting a dog for like 20 years. But I was specific about getting a rescue. That was the most adorable thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I even had like a stuffed animal that looked like said dog for many years, being like, if I sleep with this stuffed animal every night, I will attract the dog. But I couldn't get the dog living in the canyon in Topanga because Coyote was going to get the size dog that I wanted. And so anyway, I attracted that exact dog. Um, Except for the dog, the face licking. It won't lick my face. <laughs> it licked my face twice, one tiny lick <laughs> in two months. That's how my cat is about. Sit, well, sit, she sat on my lap once. She's like, well, she won't. Yeah, she sat and she had this really awkward look. Like, <laughs> is this is this what we do? And then never again. We've had her seven years. Seven years. So. Oh my god! So there are like, animals. Animals are all their own. They're all they, their own person. They really are. It's like I just had to accept who she is. It's <laughs> like no means She's no. She's like, bitch. I don't want to <laughs> lick you on the face. Get over it. <laughs> um. But yeah. So, the, so I'm grateful because these were things that like I've been wanting to grow pound, and I've been like you know every day. I've been wanting to get it to a place where it felt like we were in flow, where it felt like the amount we were putting in was coming back and then we could give more and did it, and that happened. Um, the apartment that was spacious and had a bathtub in the like area that I wanted, that came. The dog came. Um, I just had so many little miracles happen and I really had a time to believe in and experience magic and love and joy and just things that I I kind of thought weren't possible, I reminded myself were possible. I also went on my first, um, during COVID, it was like March, no, April. So I quit drinking alcohol like a year and a half ago and I was afraid to go on dating apps because I was afraid. I was I had this thing in my head that like you can't go on a first date if Without you don't drink. drink. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so I was always like, oh, but, and then I was like, well, screw it. Like if 
if the person has a problem that I don't drink, it's not my person. Exactly. You know, so it was like, I kind of got really clear, like the first month of COVID, I got really clear where all of these social constructs and the way that we lived our lives were breaking down. And I was like, oh, I get like all these rules. They're just made up. Yes. So I'm just going to do what feels right. So I went on, what did I go on? Hinge for the first time on dating app, met this guy. And it was funny because I was like so nervous that the person would be like, oh, we want to get a drink. But he didn't drink, but he wasn't sober, but he didn't drink. And then we had this like falling in love experience and he was in LA and we, during COVID, he came to visit me. And so that was a miracle. I mean, it was just like, I was like, no rules apply. I get to do whatever. And I had a really like a lot of miracles. Yeah. Well, when I, it's fun when you're when you're kind of in that flow of like, yes, I'm gonna yes, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'll say yes to that. Where it feels, I wrote I wrote somewhere where like, I had this experience where it felt more like I was surfing, and like I'm on this board and it's, I'm just being pushed along, versus before I was like constantly like thrashing against the current and. It was hard and difficult, but I was doing what I thought I was supposed to do. Yes. And once I started saying yes to the things that felt right, it just was like, like the whole experience of becoming, getting a citizenship thing was like incredible. Like between like deciding to do it and then all of a sudden, you know, within a year I was like in having dinner in the house my grandpa was born in. Through someone I hadn't met, through someone I hadn't known before, you yeah. know, a cousin that another cousin's like, well, there's this guy in Sicily that I think we're related to, and I connected with him, and then uh, that next year we were over there seeing the 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 church that they were baptized in, and my family's lived there for centuries, and and it was just, and it, it all happened so easily and yeah. effortlessly, just just like you're describing. Yeah, and, I was just like, I'm just gonna, yeah, yeah. When you when you when you're kind of in that flow, it it it's easy it's easy yeah um versus and and but it's but we always know what those things are but like like you were saying like well what if what if what if the the person doesn't like that well then yeah that's not right yeah that's not then the right it's not person right exactly and yeah. so just starting to go in that direction things got when you say yes and when you just follow that flow things get easy they get hard again mm-hmm. because then all that stuff, like, you know, the honeymoon phase ends, the do- even the honeymoon phase with the dog ends. <laughs> and then you're like, wait, I have to pick up your poop every day. Or like, whatever it is, like, they get hard again. Yeah. And they get real. And the fairy tale doesn't last forever in a way. But like, you, we, what I remember, what I realized through all those experiences is like, I create the fairy tale. Like mm-hmm. I create the magic. I we put it on someone else or like if I get the thing, if I get the man, if I get the dog, then it will all but like no because we don't have control of any of those things. But like I have the key ability to fall in love anytime I want mm-hmm. because I'm the one who created that. You know, so that's what it really reminded me of because I thought all of these things that I manifested, I was like, I got the apartment, I got the dog, got the boy, got the did it. But like all those things got changed and got hard and they're like, they're not perfect. They're not perfect. No, no. And so then it's like back, you're back with yourself again. Mm-hmm. And so no matter 
what it looks like on the outside you get back. Yeah. You, you're stuck with yourself. That's always the core. Yeah. And you hopefully, what I always hope is like I, I learn each time and learn what I like and and yeah. and feel more comfortable saying yes to the next thing. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Going and growing. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, I think this time I had like a severe high, like went into this vortex, severe low. Cause I was like, wait, I thought everything was supposed to be perfect now. And then like I came back to myself where I was like, I get to create this, mm -hmm. what I'm gonna experience. Yeah, it's all, it's all I I I realized <clears throat> when I was coming out of the darkest part of what I went through that it really felt like, oh, okay, this is spring. Mm -hmm. That was winter. Mm -hmm. And around March and April when it was hard, I was like, okay, this is just another winter. Mm -hmm. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard for a while and cold and dark, and, but there'll be spring again. Yep. Yeah. So that, that, think, thinking about my life that, that there's not, because a lot of times like, oh, you're in the spring of life. Like, it's, it, like if someone's a certain age that it's going to be that temperature and nice and perfect all the time and then another time is always bad and dark and whatever. Yeah. But it, it, our whole life is like about cycles and seasons and growth and totally. times we have to like rest. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. We talked a little bit about this, about like what else, anything else that from this time that you want to continue? Like things that you've changed or learned or? Yeah. Um, what's been really good about this time has been like letting go of attachment to how things are going to turn out. Like letting go of attachment my friend Kari, who um, is in St. Louis right now, she was saying the other day that COVID has felt like uh, COVID has this ex this time period has felt like the universe saying, "Oh, you had a plan. Oh, that's cute, <laughs> but like we have a different plan." Exactly. And so um, there's been a lot of like things I thought were going a certain way. And then it was like, like, <laughs> here's a whole platter of poo-poo platter for you to look at. <laughs> and, and like, then I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, so, but then, you know, you wade through that. And then, like you said, there's another spring. And so, but the attachment to how things are going to turn out, it's like, I've just been like, I don't know. Yeah. Like people, so many people are like, well, what's going on with, you know, are you going to get married? Are you going to do it? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. You know, like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm like, right now I'm sort of like day by day. Right. And I'm feeling like I'd like to take that with me because it gives me sort of a sense of balance in a way. Um makes me feel a little calmer where mm -hmm. I'm not like, oh, I have to do this because then I have to get this because then I have to get the... the da, 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 da. And it's just like, I also really like... Um, I also personally think that this time has been... It's been really, 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 really hard for so many people and I'm not... Um, I don't know. I can't speak for everybody. But for me, I just feel like a lot of 
sort of what I was talking about earlier, old systems or old rules or old my own personal mental constructs based on what I thought other people wanted from me have just sort of melted mm -hmm. a lot. No, that's 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 certainly true. When you talked about <laughs> the poo-poo platter. Yeah. Uh, I keep thinking about it in terms of it, like we're all in this big timeout. Yeah. And there was, I remember having to go to my room sometimes when I was little. And after a while, I would just start playing and I wouldn't be conscious that I was like in trouble anymore because I was in my room and doing my thing. Yeah. And I found myself a lot with this. Occasionally, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm in a timeout. I can't go down and get a cup of coffee or I can't, you know, see my friends or give them a hug or whatever. That is sad. But then I go back and start playing with my toys or thinking about something or creating something or whatever. And so, um, and you sort of forget you're in timeout and you're just in the moment. And you're mm -hmm. like, well, this is just what I'm doing now. Yeah. But some people get so focused on being a timeout. There's kids that do that. They like sit, they'll <laughs> sit. My kids, like, if they wouldn't like help, we'd be like, when they're teaching them to clean up, like, you, if you can help us, if you help us clean, then we'll be done faster. But if not, you have to sit and time out while we clean. And, and sometimes they would just sit there and cry what, in, instead of helping. Yeah. But it was like, it was two minutes, you know, but it's, they gave so focused on being restrained that it just became everything. Yeah. And there are adults going through that now too. For sure, resisting. They're so res sad that they can't. Resisting the. Um, Whatever it is happening, like if only when I can go back to eating out at when I can go when restaurants open and I can go back to eating out, I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. When you know, da, 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 I'll be happy. Yes, and it's like, yeah, maybe. Yeah, some people are like, oh, it must be so hard, I, you know, because like being in Italy is like really important for me, and seeing my friends there and and learning and studying all that and art, art history is a huge passion. And some people are like, oh, that must be terrible for you. Like, it's like you know, I I miss it, but I've read like. I think I've read eight books on different people in the last, you know, however many, or listened to on audio and studied or watched programs. And I'm, I'm not, I'm still engaging in the things that I'm excited about. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and for years, you know, if I, when I wasn't able to do those things, I still found ways to like, if I couldn't, if I can't afford to go someplace, I can still read about it. Or, and now you can look at it on the internet and sometimes live. Yeah, you know. absolutely. And then the other thing too, I, I've watched so many movies, documentaries, read books and in like anti-racist book clubs and stuff. And like all of that that's happened with like, I didn't, oh. I, like having, you know, black people's voices be heard and like the, the insane amount of social justice, you know, movements and protests and mm -hmm. just like things that I didn't even, I, it never sadly occurred to me to stop and really ask certain questions or ask even my black friends how they felt about certain things. And now it's just so loud in your face that you, um, so many things that I think I've been, you know, given the opportunity to look at that I wouldn't have before and had the time and space to do that just to get to know myself better and then how to make the world a better place as well. But that all happened too, you mm -hmm. know? It yeah, there's so much. Yeah, this it this year is difficult at times just because of the the stuff that was coming felt like a fire hose of yeah. stuff. And at, so, it was super intense, but it's also like had to be uncovered. Mm -hmm. And change happens in waves like that. Yeah, you know, whenever there's a big change in humanity, it's 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 never quietly. 
it's it's usually big and ugly and messy. Yeah. So we're going through one of those. We are. Um, well, cool. Well, yeah. uh, this has been a pleasure. Yeah, Enjoy. I hope I didn't cuss too much. I <laughs> tried to be quiet when I cussed. No, no. <laughs> it was perfect. And I appreciated the break uh, sound effects. <laughs> Wait, which one? You went, Yeah, that- <laughs> <laughs> Normally we edit all that in later, but we don't have to do any of that now. So. Oh my god, yeah! If you ever need um, somebody doing like voiceover or making you know beatbox sounds or traffic noises, you can just have me in the background. I'm really good at those. Sweet, I look <laughs> forward to it. <laughs> well, I knew this would be, and this has been fun because even though I've known you for a long time and I've seen some of those things peripherally, yeah, um, we've never had a chance to dive into them. Yeah. And so I feel like I know you so much better now. Yeah, thank you so much for asking me to be here. I'm really glad I got to. And I don't even know um, my story sometimes until I tell it. So it's good to hear it. Um, You know what I mean? Like I don't connect all the dots or like remember all the things. And then I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's why All that happened. happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, writing writing the stories I did down, writing down the stories I did, Really helped me dig through certain things. I know it was it was a bit it was therapeutic in a lot of ways. For know? sure. Um, so cool. So I will post information about about pound pound jewelry on the yes yeah, so pound dot com, and I'll post that on the blog or the uh, the podcast when it goes live. Thanks. Um, any any other ways people should follow you or Instagram is usually where I live. Okay. Um, pound jewelry. Perfect. Yep. And. Yeah, and then our website, everything's there. Website and Instagram is pretty much where we put everything. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me, and thanks for doing all that you're doing and to help people share their stories. Pretty cool. Thank you. Uh, So, okay. Well, (laughs) bye. Bye. (laughs) We're waving. (laughs) Okay, that was just as lovely and fun as I'd hoped. And so it was so cool hearing about the things that uh, drive and light Becca up and seeing how she had this, this theme of helping and how that's, that's pulled her through you know, different paths that ended up here with Pound with her and her mom and sister and then this really cool tribe of women that are, that are um, supporting her and helping her and inspiring her and, and vice versa. So, um, so please, uh, if you like jewelry and you're interested about this, go check out their website at uh, poundjewelry.com. If you, again, if you like, uh, if you like this, you had fun, please like and follow uh, the podcast. It's The Journey. Uh, Check out carloblog.com for updates. I'm trying to keep lots of fresh information there about my blog. You can sign up for a newsletter. uh, Follow me on the various social media places and uh, check out my book, Afterlife available at all the big box stores. But then you can also, if, if you want to support local, call your local bookstore. They can, as of Friday, any bookstore in the world can call and sign up for that and get it get it on their um, get it on their bookshelf or order it for you for the same price. So uh, again, reach out to me. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know what you like, what you want to hear more of. And remember to listen to and say yes to your dreams. Say yes to the things that keep calling you. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, enjoy your journey.